0: up everybody welcome to the pick six podcast happy monday morning the weekend is over wah, wah, wah. but you got podcasts to listen to i'm will brinson i'm your host this is the weekly recap of sunday everything that happened in week nine of the nfl season we'll get to the saints stunning rise to the top of the nfc we will talk about the battle of the goats that was annoying and uh we will get to all the other games first let's get to some introductions joining us me, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner. What's up, guys? Yo, yo, yo! What's up?
1: Is the podcast an extra hour longer since we gained an hour? Is that how this works? Would you Would you like to listen to a two hour podcast? Uh, I mean, it depends what it's on. You know, if it was on goats. Bah, I'm all in. <laughs> I would. You actually...
2: know, we can We can talk about goats. We can talk about a nice segue into milk from there. So I think this could work. <laughs>
0: Uh Big Dairy. We need we can't bash Big Dairy. We've got to keep Big Dairy on our advertising side. Uh I would actually like to like I think we should do a live stream video of Wilson's face as we approach hour number two of a podcast. He's just like just sitting there in his like hipster clothes, staring at me, shaking his head in anger. Um, that's all right. I will say
3: this. We were on a conference call all of us the other day and for some god knows i don't know what the reason breach wouldn't shut up and i had to get off i had to go to to a doctor's appointment something old people do i can't remember what it was but he kept talking about cats and i was like please for the love of god end this i kept texting sean that please make it in so sean would keep asking stupid questions too so yeah i
2: I will not lie i was purposely trying to extend the last 10 minutes of that call just because i knew wilson was trying to get out of there
0: (laughs) that's pretty
1: funny
3: and Um, you don't
1: get a lot of opportunities to ask your bosses questions about cats, so you've got to take it. You got to swing your, you know, shoot your yeah. shot. Fair enough. Wait, were you asking Kevin, our boss, about cats? Just cat conversations happen, you know. You know what,
2: Brenton, you would have known if you hadn't bailed early. So
0: I had to appear with um, good friend of the program, Adam Shine, on Time to Shine on CBS Sports Network. You can catch me on TV every Friday making my picks. I did terrible last week. I probably did terrible this week, and they mocked me ruthlessly on television by pointing out all the picks I made wrong. Uh, by the way, shout-out to uh, – one more shout-out for Second Chance Beer Company out of San Diego. They sent me some beers. I'm currently drinking a Seize the IPA, India Pale Ale, as we record this. And on Friday, I tried out their Blend-O-Matic. It's two beers. Take two beers. You mix them together. One's a Hazy. One's a Brute. It's delicious. If you can try it, it's a collaboration with Alesmith. Highly recommend it. Ryan, I know you're a beard-mixing fella. Um, I also know that you are big into Sunday Night Football. It's your game of the week of the year, and it was Brady versus Rogers. Tom Brady came away with a pretty easy victory. Um, what was more stunning, Julian Edelman passing the ball or Cordell Patterson running the ball in this 31-17 Patriots win?
3: Uh, I think it was Daryl Patterson running the ball. He had 11 carries for 61 yards. He was running through that defense, uh, for a couple series. He had 10 carries last week for 38 yards against the Bills and when they trounced Buffalo and no one really thought much of it because it was the Bills and they usually get trounced. But, uh, I thought it was sort of interesting that, um, our buddy Ross Tucker made the point that, uh, if only other coaches had been smart enough to use Patterson as a running back in Jack Del Rio. A little free time on his hands, took to Twitter to point out that, hey, I actually did do that with Patterson in Oakland, and he had a little bit of uh, success. But I, I think it is sort of amazing that you take a guy who's uh was drafted as a wide receiver, sort of a big play wide receiver, can't catch, so you move him to special teams. And then when you run out of running backs, you go, if you're Bill Belichick, i want to make this guy LeGarrette blunt. And he puts, him, puts <laughs> him in the backfield, treads guy, scored a touchdown. We've seen Edelman throw that uh, sort of – uh, screen pass, back across the field pass oh, yeah. several times before, so big whoop. But um I will say this about the game. That Probably the most – not impressive, but one of the things that I take away from this is that Mike Patton, who disappeared off the face of the earth last year after getting fired by the Browns, and I understand why, resurfaced as the Packers' uh, defense coordinator. He shut down Jerry Goff last week. Jerry Goff completed something like 55% of his, his, his throws. He also had three touchdowns. But uh, in terms of shutting down Jerry Goff as best you can this year, he was also sacked five times. I thought that Petten, better than anyone else this year, did a great job of trying to confuse and frustrate Tom Brady. And up until that Edelman throw, he had done that. Uh, Brady didn't look great tonight. He didn't have he had the touchdown to Josh Gordon late that I don't think really mattered. But prior to that, he was struggling. So I think that, to me, was one of the bigger takeaways. Um, I don't know if it's good news for the Packers, but better news than probably it could have been.
2: I, uh, I found it really funny that Belichick simultaneously drafts a running back in the first round and that running back looks really good. And then he develops a wide receiver kick returner into an effective running back, kind of simultaneously, uh, poking a hole into the idea that you should be drafting a running back in the first round by the fact he's converting a kick returner into an effective runner. Uh, I mean, For me, this game was about – it turned on that fumble of, of of Aaron Jones. I mean, this was a 17-17 game. Was it in the third quarter or fourth quarter when Aaron Jones fumbles the ball deep in Patriots' territory? And from that point, the Patriots' offense just kind of took over with a couple of trick plays. I don't know if I was that, that impressed with either team. I think, to your point, the most impressive part was the Packers' defense making the Patriots' offense look bad. And I get the Patriots didn't have Gronk. The Patriots didn't have Sonny Michelle. But to me, the Patriots look like a team that is going to be more dependent on home field than they have been in prior years. Because, look, Gronk is dealing with a back injury, and I don't know if we're going to see him at full strength this year or maybe ever again. I mean, he seems to be on the downturn of his career. I think they need home field advantage. I think this game, I wasn't wowed by either team. I know that it's Brady and Aaron Rodgers, but if you're asking me to rank the teams in each conference, I don't know if I'm putting either team in the top four.
0: Wait, what? You don't have the Patriots in the top four in the AFC? What are you talking Uh, about?
2: Chiefs? Chargers. Let me. Let I mean Let me see if I can do this. I. I. I think the Chargers are better than the Patriots. Okay. That's two
3: you. teams. Go ahead. Ste- Steelers. Oh please. Here we go. Don't butter me <laughs> uh, up. All
2: right. You're right. I'll, <laughs> I'll put them at fourth or third or fourth. My point being is the Patriots to me don't look like the world beaters they've constantly been.
0: Bills. Patriots. <laughs> um,
2: I, I, I think home field matters to them more is what I'm trying to say. Maybe they're not top 4 Don't get lost in me saying that. My point being they don't look as good as they have in recent years.
0: I would disagree. I think that their versatility on offense is what really sets this Patriots team apart. I mean like you have James White who's playing out of his mind as a receiving guy out of the backfield. Sonny Michelle is going to get back and be healthy. I think Gronk will get back and be more of an impact guy down the stretch. They want to be careful with both Gronk and Sonny Michelle. Um, the Gordon addition is huge. They have Chris Hogan. They never have to use him. Edelman's there. All these weapons just complement each other. And by the way, the, the Cordell Patterson thing. Um, James White gets injured in the second quarter with with like three fifty two left in the in the in the quarter. They run Cordell Patterson four straight times, ten yards. Um and that's then uh Whitehead, the the, the linebacker for the for the Patriot for the Packers gets ejected on a ticky tack foul. Then Patterson runs for seventeen yards, then he runs for eight yards, and then he runs for five yards. They just run him they just ran cor Corderell Patterson five times or four times in a row for a touchdown. It was unbelievable. I I I wholeheartedly disagree with your take on the, the Patriots not being top four, Sean. I think they, I no, I agree with that. I, okay. top four was gonna speak. You're saying they're not the hands down best team in the AFC.
2: Yeah, I think they need home field more than they have in recent years because I think if they're going to Kansas City, um, I don't think they're going to win. The good news for them is that the Chargers, who to me is the second-best team in the AFC right now, are stuck in the same division as the Chiefs, which means they can't get home field also, probably, home, no
0: matter what. home field doesn't help the Chargers. So. Um,
3: <laughs> the, hey, uh, let me ask you this real quick, anybody. I was just thinking about this while <laughs> I was watching that game and talking about Cordell Patterson playing all these positions. Is Tom Brady... Probably the worst player in the NFL that if you moved him from any position other than quarterback, he would be there would be no reason to have him out there. I mean, I could imagine a situation where maybe at complete health Aaron Rodgers could run around as a tight end. I don't think you could move Tom Brady anywhere and he wouldn't be the worst player, not only on the field but in the entire league. Tight end, wide receiver, running back, left <laughs> tackle, right tackle, safety. I mean, if you were out there running five, eight forties. I mean, what do you think Drew Brees is playing in your fantasy world? Uh, Drew Brees, he would be my Ryan Switzer on my in my fantasy football team. He could be a slot guy, he, maybe a return guy. Worst he, case scenario, a poor man's Tyson. Tyson Hill, Hill you know. yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's right. But I just look at Brady, and you look at that guy, and you go, that guy has no business being out there except for the fact that he can throw a football. You all are looking at me like I'm insane, and that's fine. But these are what really high level people think about when they're watching <laughs> football games.
0: I'm glad <laughs> that, I'm glad that somebody came away with a, a, a just a, like a confusing enough take to distract from Sean's. Uh, top yeah. 4 a.m. that was my goal. I'm no
2: longer the crazy person on this
1: podcast. <laughs> no, you still are. Is Nathan Peterman your other tight end? Mm,
0: good point. Where, uh, where are you putting that dude?
3: I think he he I mean he would beat Brady in a foot race, I feel like, wouldn't he? Yeah.
0: mean He'd be a good tight end. He'd he'd
3: run the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: he'd run into somebody's arms. Um Yeah, I mean I I was I'm just continually stunned by like, Aaron Rodgers, 24 of 43, 259 yards, two touchdowns. Rodgers, you know, was moving around. It looks like he's healthy again, but like, look like at the final play, on the final fourth down play, it's fourth and four. And they, they ran, the, the Packers ran everybody downfield. Like, just run the mesh, run a mesh concept. Like, run to have Marquez Valdez Scandling and, and, um, and Devontae Adams. Do a crossing route and let Aaron Rodgers get, figure out one guy in open coverage and lead him open with the ball. Like, they don't run anything. To simplify life for Aaron Rodgers, it's insane, and that that was that's really the difference to me between the Packers and the Patriots. And you look at the Patriots having five Super Bowls, um, and the Packers having one with Aaron Rodgers there, two with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. But under Mike McCarthy, like Bill Belichick, squeezes every drop out of every player. Like they run an in, they run a jet sweep with Julian Edelman and Dwayne Allen, who's you know the only active tight end on the roster is out there laying down blocks. He caught a twenty one yard pass. Uh, and meanwhile, like. Mike McCarthy just cannot get the most out of Aaron Rodgers, the most talented quarterback in NFL history, and it's immensely frustrating.
2: It sounds like they should hire Josh McDaniels. Maybe. Oh, no,
3: no, they shouldn't. Why? He's a, Why? I, well, I mean, you're a Bears fan. You don't. You had John Foxford to have for many years. Look, Josh McDaniels accepts jobs, either goes to the job and torpedoes the organization, high Denver, or accepts the job and then backs out of it because his his former boss talked him out of it. I mean, he may be a fantastic coach. I don't know that. He has fantastic players in New England. What do you do in Denver? But he doesn't seem like a fantastic person when it comes to holding up your end of a bargain when you agree to do something and then you back out of it. And I'm not talking about he decided not to buy Girl Scout cookies. He accepted the job and then said, you know what, I'm good. Um My two, my owner and my boss that I used to work for said they'll pay me more money if I stay or whatever the reason was. And then he turtled up. He wouldn't even come to his house and talk about it. The reporters knocking on his door and he's acting like he, he doesn't speak English all of a sudden. That's my take on Josh McDaniels.
1: Ryan, you're not a McDaniels fan. Hey, that guy drafted Tim Tebow, and then Tim Tebow won a playoff game with the Denver Broncos
3: over and your no shot Steelers.
1: You're clearly still bitter about it, so don't hold the hostility <laughs>
3: against me. And no Sean Moreno. And, Brinson, who was that cornerback from Wake Forest they traded up to get and give a first round for, the second round? Uh, rounder?
0: if you had asked me his name, I would have told you. But that um, guy was
3: terrible, is the point, too. So, his track record the, isn't great.
0: And the Seahawks used that pick to draft Earl Thomas, right? <laughs> like, oh, Lord. Antonio, See, Antonio, um, Something or another, exactly. Uh, hold on, I'll tell you in a second.
2: I think, by the way, I think Demarius Thomas was one of the picks that McDaniels used after the issue. Right now that I mean... now that Thomas is gone, seems like we can kind of fully wholly... No, I'm saying that like now the McDaniels effect is kind Al- of completely Al- done now.
0: Alfonso Smith. Man, he was <laughs> that was him. yep. Yeah. They gave up a um First round
3: pick to take him in the second.
2: Yeah, to take my a, my point with the McDaniel thing was just that it seems to me if the Packers miss the playoffs, they have enough reason with two straight years of missing the playoffs to fire a guy like McCarthy who has had a lot of success there, just based on wins and losses. I think the problem and hiring is that, an innovative offensive mind. That's
3: the problem. McVeigh is already hired. Andy Reid is already at Kansas Andy, City. Who's I mean, left?
2: Would you so you think they should keep McCarthy? Like I mean, I'm asking
3: what, you, who's left? I don't know.
2: I mean, I, I, John, I can't somebody.
3: John
0: Di Filippo.
3: That's fine. I mean, he may be a guy, but I mean, he would he would be t- at higher on my list than the McDaniels.
0: No, um, I, McDaniels should be up there. Chris Collins were said at the end of the game. He's like, "Al, I'm telling you, this guy's going to get another job." Al. Was Al's like, uh, "You've lost your mind, Chris. What are you talking about?" Um, I, I agree with him. I think he will get a job offer this all off season. I think the Browns will be interested. I think the Patriot, the Packers could potentially be interested. I tell you, the fit, Jason Lockeford, as we talking about on this podcast forever, the fit for the pay- for the Patriots or the Packers, excuse me, that would be interesting would be John Harbaugh if he's fired in, in Baltimore or moves on in Baltimore. And in fact, why not just trade John Harbaugh and Mike McCarthy? That's a great idea. Um, by the way, the Pack- Mike
1: McCarthy with Joe Flacco would be the most average. Pairing <laughs> in the history of football, I'm not sure we would survive that. I don't want that to happen. Let's let's veto that trade now before you put that in someone's head, Brinson.
0: So the Packers are now—is that right? Three, four, and one. Mm. Correct. Are they the um, second, third, fourth best team in the division? Sean, I'll
2: say third, Ooh. but I think the gap between two and three is really close. With the second best team being the Bears.
0: I thought you were going to say the Vikings. Uh, (laughs) Come on, I haven't gone
2: fully over the...
0: Yeah. Packers have a negative point differential in the season. Uh, Patriots, by the way, are, are in cruise control in this division. The Dolphins beat the Jets on, on Sunday. We'll get to that game briefly in a second. Uh, but the Patriots have a 7-2 record, two games up on Miami, have won six straight, and are in cruise control. I think the only thing, at, the only thing at stake for the Patriots, uh, the rest of the way is, is whether or not they can catch the Chiefs and, and get homefield advantage. Of course, they have a, a head-to-head, uh, victory over kansas city in that regard the other huge game on sunday afternoon rams saints it was an awesome shootout that ended up with the new orleans saints beating the los angeles rams settings mercury marsh champagne free 45 35 total went way over the 57 drew Brees 25 and 36 346 yards Four touchdowns, Alvin Kamara, two rushing touchdowns, one receiving touchdown, and Mike Thomas, at can't guard Mike, 12 receptions on 15 targets, 211 yards, and 172 yards score to put it away late. Sean, would you rather, if you had to pick one right now, would you go Saints or Rams in the title game? I'm going
2: Saints because I think they have a better chance to wind up with home field advantage just because they now have the tiebreaker. And I think – my takeaway from this game is that these teams are so even. Like if you look at the total yardage, I think there was 970 yards between these these two teams. There was only a difference of four yards between them. So it was a remarkably even game. And the difference to me is, one, I'd rather have Drew Brees over Jared Goff, and that's not a knock on Goff. It's just Drew Brees right now is playing maybe the best football of his career. And then B, I think home field advantage means more to the Saints. I think going into New Orleans and beating them in that dome would be much harder than even if the Saints have to go to L.A. I think their home field advantage is much more pronounced. And that was my takeaway from this game. I really think this is the kind of game that will shape the seeding in the NFC. And I think if the Rams have to go to New Orleans, I'm
0: taking the Saints every single time. The thing for me with New Orleans has been impressive. I mean, look, the, their last three games, they won at Baltimore, won at Minnesota in prime time, and now won against LA. I, they really might be the best team in football, right?
3: Sorry, I was reading the stat that I can't believe Sean didn't bring up. Uh, in The two games without Gronkowski, the Patriots have scored sixty-nine points.
2: That was going to be my big milk take at the end.
3: Oh, but anyway, yeah. So <laughs> neither defense was there. Marcus Peters. Look, maybe his calf still hurts, but he spent a lot of time getting toasted and then a lot of time on the sidelines yelling and screaming out why he got toasted, uh, instead of actually, cause he's been known to take gambles and it looked like he was taking a lot of risks and they blew up in his face time after time. Um, yeah, M- Michael Thomas is unreal. And one of the takeaways for me is people, Troy Aikman, losing their mind about him planning, uh, two flip phones, uh, underneath the goalposts and, and using them when they went up. Eleven points or whatever at the end there, when it was pretty pretty clear they were going to win the game. I think like four minutes left. I don't know why Aikman cares. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, we've sort of moved away from being like robots in the end zone and celebrations. And while it's, he went too far and was penalized, I don't understand why it was an issue. Um, yeah, it, it was. I thought it was the best game of the day easily. The uh, goat matchup for Sunday Night Football certainly didn't live up to it. And I think Sean's right that if um, the Saints can hold on to home field. It'll be incredibly tough to come back there and win. If any team could do it, it would be the Rams. But I would certainly take San, Fr- uh, me, San Francisco, uh, the Saints in New Orleans, as opposed to uh, New Orleans having to go to Los Angeles. We saw last week at uh, the Rams-Packers game, half that place was filled with Packers fans.
0: Feels like a long time ago that the Saints lost 48-40 to the Buccaneers, right? And almost
1: lost to the Browns.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Yep. I mean, like, this team is just rolling. I mean, I get that Mark Ingram is sort of like a secondary option. Um, but that's fine. Like, I don't think they really care that much. Nine carries, 80, 33 yards for him. Alvin Kamara had 19 for 82 in those two touchdowns. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just think, Breach, I just trust the Saints more because their head coach is dialed in, uh, because their defense is coming along and because Drew Brees is, I mean, just more trustworthy than Jared Goff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing is is we keep talking about home field advantage right now. I don't think it matters. I would take the Saints over the Rams in Los Angeles. I mean, you look at what the Saints have done on the road. This hasn't been our normal Saints teams that fall on their face every road game. I mean, they just won that showdown against the Vikings when Drew Brees did nothing. He threw for like 120 yards. And they still won by double digits. They went into Baltimore and won. You know, that's not an easy place to win, even if it was off a miracle extra point. Uh The Falcons, they won in Atlanta, and then the Giants, not impressive. They haven't lost a road game all year, and and you know Los Angeles is not going to be snowing in January out in L.A. So I would take the Saints because of everything you mentioned, the defense, all the weapons, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, over the Rams in either location. And also, I will say, Sean McVay, I love the way he coached today. Uh, you know, they took that chance with a fake field goal. You think if, if Hecker gets that on that, really, I mean, I thought he got the first down. I did too. And if he gets that, maybe that changes the tide of the game because I think it was 14-14 at that point. If the Rams get any points on that drive, maybe it's a different game. But instead, all of a sudden, they're down like 35-17. Uh, so just if you're a coach who takes risks, sometimes those backfire. And so it kind of feels like that's what happens. McBay, I think these two teams are pretty even. But, uh, you hit the nail on the head. Give me Peyton and Breeze as a tandem.
0: Yeah, and look, I mean, like, let's be clear here. The, you know, the, the Rams aren't going anywhere. The Rams are going to be very good. They're going to win a bunch more games. Uh, they do have the Seahawks at home next week. They're 10 point favorites somehow. And then the Chiefs in Mexico City before their week 12 bye. Three of their last five are on the road, but they have the Lions, Bears, Eagles, Cardinals, and 49ers. Not one good team amongst them to close out. Um, that's just a shot at the Bears, Sean. Don't worry about it. It's, uh, the Eagles and Bears are very good. But they, I mean, they're they're probably going to win three or four more games, minimum. They're going to be in the the conversation for that top seed. They just need the Saints to slip up. And remember, the Saints and the Panthers, who we'll get to in a second as well, play each other twice in the final three weeks of the season. The Panthers won again. That could ultimately determine home field advantage. But let's first talk about the other team in Los Angeles. I feel like there should be some, like, NFL primetime music. Bum, bum, bum. You know, whatever the, the theme, is that right? Did I do that theme right? No. Okay, thank you. Um, I don't, I don't well, even think that was close. I don't understand why there should be music in the first place. I don't know, I just feel like there should be music because I'm like getting enthused talking about the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are 6-2 and two now after beating the Seattle Seahawks 25-17 in CenturyLink Field. Phillip Rivers, only completed 50% of his passes, but was much better than those numbers would indicate. Uh, Keenan Allen was outstanding. Six catches, 124 yards. And Melvin Gordon, once again, dominant. 16 carries, 113 yards, and one touchdown. Um, I'll say this real quickly. And I saw that, uh, uh Sam, uh, not Sam, um, uh, Steve Palazzo of, of Pro Football Fergus tweeted out, I don't think he's wrong. Melvin Gordon might be better than Todd Gurley. Like if you plug Melvin Gordon on the Rams, Melvin Gordon would have the same numbers, and Melvin Gordon's been outstanding for the Chargers. Um, they're so versatile; they can beat you in the passing game, they can beat you running the ball. Their defense is starting to play better. I thought the Seahawks were very sloppy in this game, um, and and ultimately needed a you know near. Russell Wilson, miraculous comeback to, to pull it off. They got the ball back, uh, with like a minute 39, down eight points, got down to the goal line, got pass interference, had an untimed down, and then, um, a tipped, a barely tipped ball ended up being incomplete. Otherwise, they could have, they would have gone for two after that. They could have taken it to overtime. And at that point, I, I firmly believe, um, John Breach, that Philip Rivers would have murdered Caleb Sturgis on the field. Or at least like, 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 treated him like a four year old and like put him in timeout or something like that because Caleb Sturgis became the first kicker since some guy in 1979 to miss a field goal and an extra point in three straight games.
1: Let me just say that that is not the time you want to see your family's last name on TV. <laughs> Is when they're talking about three straight missed extra points and three straight missed field goals uh, in a game. Of course, my dad did that his rookie year with the Raiders in his defense. It was his rookie year. Uh Caleb Service has been around the block. Uh, and you would think the Chargers would maybe have their kicking situation figured out by now. But if I were the Chargers, I'm at the point where I just don't have a kicker. I don't bring a kicker. You don't need a kicker. Let your punter kick off because <laughs> uh, that guy, whoever it is, I mean, they have gone through four or five kickers over the past 12 months. It just causes anxiety. They lose games over it, and that almost happened again today, and it's amazing. It's like a cursed position there. No matter who they bring in, uh the dude chokes, and, and Caleb Sturgis was a perfect example, and I absolutely do think that Rivers would have pulled out his bolo tie and strangled Caleb Sturgis. They had lost that game, Uh, but they didn't, So, and, and everything you just said about Melvin Gordon – but but boom! That dude's awesome. I don't think
0: the Chargers win today if he is not healthy and playing. I have, I have some more questions about your dad really quickly. Jim Breach, by the way, legend. We love Jim Breach on this podcast. Ryan Ryan would actually like trade his father for your like your dad in a heartbeat. Um, I wouldn't do that. My dad. I actually like my dad.
3: <laughs> um, I hope my dad doesn't listening to this.
0: He's not. He's not. Don't worry. Um. So John, I have, when were you, what year were you born, John? Was it 81 or 82? I, I was born in 82. Okay, so fun fact, your dad, in his first four years kicking in the NFL, from 1979 to 1982, the year you were born, kicked, made exactly 69% of his field goals. That is not a coincidence. That is not a coincidence. <laughs> uh, he made only 66.7% of his field goals his rookie season. Do you, have you ever talked to your dad about like, what his rookie year was like when he was in Oakland. Because he, was he cut, traded? Like, what, how did he – what happened? Uh, he was cut. He was cut by the Raiders. And, and let me just say that
1: it's, it's a crazy talking to people who have a vivid memory of things that happened 30 years ago. I remember we were talking about once what was the worst miss of his entire NFL career. And this is like three years ago. And he's like, 1979, rookie year. We're playing the Chiefs. And I missed like a 21-yard field no, goal No, <laughs> with – Time running out. It was near December. It was late in the season, and uh, I'm sure you can look it all up. And the Raiders ended up missing the playoffs by one game that year. And this was a good Raiders team. They had Kenny Stabler. They ended up winning the Super Bowl the next year without my dad, so that's how good they were. Oh, no. So, uh, yeah, so you pull up pro football reference, or you pull up a Raiders 1979 schedule. I'm sure anyone can see it was against the Chiefs. That's all I remember. Uh, And and so that's – you ask him his biggest miss; that's his favorite. Uh, but then, you know, he his his only NFL record he holds right now is most overtime field goals without a miss, which to me is a very clutch stat. So I'm going to throw that one out there.
2: I um, love that former kickers have their favorite miss ever.
3: Least favorite. He also miss. he also played for uh, John Madden that year.
0: It was Tom Flores, I believe.
3: He told us at uh, a at Breach's wedding that his first year was John Madden's last
0: well he was clearly lying to us to impress us and it worked come on Jim (laughs) or Or this guy's getting this guy's got an incredible memory (laughs) he played for Tom Flores is that right is that Madden's Madden's last year was 78 was he with the Raiders in 78 yeah he got signed he didn't play
1: he got drafted by the Lions in 78 and got signed at some point in '78, but
0: he never actually played. He never actually kicked in '78. And by the way, that was a. Uh, it was a late. Um, it was a November 18th against the Chiefs. They almost tied it up. They lose 21 to 24. He missed his only attempted field goal. What a dagger! Uh, but yeah, so it was funny. They showed it, and um, and we'll play the clip really quickly. But they showed on on the Chargers broadcast. Here, here it is. They talk about Jim. talk about Jim Breach. Eighteen, a field goal, of three consecutive the, the way back to. 1979. Jimmy Breach. Just downstairs just back, too. Jim Breach is probably sitting at home somewhere just watching this video. Really? Just ruined my day. And see, there you have it. So, like Rich Gannon, they play the clip, and Rich Gannon's like, poor Jim Breach. Sitting in his house. Enjoying his afternoon, watching some football, and all of a sudden, he's getting blown up by everybody. Like, hey, they're blasting you for missing a bunch of field goals back in 1979 on CBS right now. So that's, uh, that was a fun, it was fun and, to hear that happen, cause I could- and,
1: and, and, yeah, let me throw in real quick, but keep in mind, this is the tight, or the Seahawks-Chargers game on the West Coast. My dad lives in Cincinnati. He has no idea this is happening on TV. <laughs> and what Rich Gannon said is exactly what happened. All of a sudden, he's getting blown up with text messages. So, I have to send him this clip that Brenton tweeted out so he knows what 's going on he 's like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense
0: <laughs> he's like, "Oh cool they're just uh making fun of me uh, i do I do think the Seahawks, by the way, and Seattle's got a tough schedule coming up but but Seattle 's got enough. They're dangerous enough. They looked. At, they just didn't. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't have. They just didn't have it for this week for whatever reason. But I think they'll be fine. I still think they're very much a, a playoff team. But uh, not not a great loss uh, for them in in that regard. Moving along to the Bears and the Bills. Great win for the Bears, Sean. They curb stomped the Bills. Just give me a quick breakdown of this game because I didn't watch a second of it. Just
2: truly shocking that. Matt Nagy goes into Buffalo and beats your guys' coach of the year in Sean McDermott. It's, so just this is
0: Nathan went, went into it. the game, Stop was not it.
2: expecting that to happen because of Nathan, Sean McDermott. And it's how Nathan coach he is. Uh, no, in all seriousness, this game was, uh, it, it's all about the Bills beating themselves. The Bears just stood back and let the Bills beat themselves. Um, there's really not much. I don't think we learned anything about the Bears. Um, I don't think we learned anything about the Bills. This was just Nathan Peterman actually. Not the turnovers weren't really on him for the most part. There was a drop pass that fell into a Bears in Leonard Floyd's hands, which he returned for a touchdown. There was a fumble that wasn't by him that was returned for a touchdown. So this to me was less about Nathan Peterman and more about the Bills' complete lack of an offensive line and complete lack of a receiver who can get any sort of separation. So I don't know if we have to spend long on this. The Bears took care of business against a bad team, and they went two and two against AFC East East, which I think is good enough. And now their schedule. I think they get the Lions twice and the Vikings once in between there. Um, and that stretch will probably determine their season. Or I mean, at the very least, they gotta go two and one, or at least one and two in that stretch to have a chance.
0: They have, um, I believe, Lions, those,
2: Vikings Lions. I think. Yes, that's correct.
0: Um, so big, big games. They win those yeah. games, they get in the playoffs. Uh, by the way, the thought I saw some game where somebody oh no that's the Cardinals that I'm thinking of the, the Chiefs are 17 point favorites over the Cardinals so that's exciting the bills this is actually a stunning line uh what do you think Ryan the line for the Jets against the bills in New York is
3: in New York City
0: in in yeah yeah sorry yes, Meadowlands yes
3: uh it's got to be minus six eight. Oh, okay.
0: You're close, though. A full touchdown, the Jets. The yeah. Jets stay. I, I wonder if uh,
3: the the Bills' savior, Derek Anderson, will be back from concussion. <laughs> uh, Can you we, imagine having to, having to say those words out loud?
2: Breach.
0: I'm taking the Bills if that's the, if that's the final line. Yeah, sure, and the under. The under should be 18, and it won't, it, believe me, it'll, it'll stay under. Uh, the Bills' team total should be like 12, or it should be like two. Uh, Breach, you watched some of the Jets and Dolphins game. Was that any good? Because the Bills' game wasn't.
1: I mean, I watched as much as I could handle. And you know what's so funny is that I feel like these were similar. The Bears-Bills game was very similar to the Jets-Dolphins, where the offense did diddly squat on the winning team in both games, and they just sat back and let their defense do everything. Uh You know, Brock Osweiler could have spent the whole entire game on the bench because Sam Darnold was just handing out interceptions left and right. Uh, it, it, this was easily his ugliest game of the year. This is kind of you expect a rookie to just have that one game where they look like they have no idea what they're doing, and that was this game for Darnold. Uh, it was ugly, and, you know, the Dolphins had a pick six. I think that was their only touchdown, two field goals. And the thing is, they won. They only put up 168 total yards in this game, and they won. The Bears... I don't remember what the Bears put up, but it was under 200 total yards. And so this was the first time since 2006 that two teams won in the same week putting up under 200 total yards. So that's pretty rare. And no team in the NFL had done it at all this season. And now we had two teams do it in the same week. So, like, talk about just a crappy, ugly win. But they all count the same, right? And so this is just, like, almost emblematic of the Dolphins' entire season. They're 5-4. and four. But, you know, kind of everything Sean just said about the Bears, I don't feel any better about them. I don't feel any worse about them. They're just the Dolphins, 500 at best. Uh But, you know, they took advantage of Darnold's four picks, so good for them.
0: Yeah, that was a 13-6 to final for the Miami Dolphins. Darnold... Has not looked um, very good the last few weeks, but I I don't. I mean, people get all up in arms about it. It's hard to play quarterback in the NFL. It's hard to play behind a bad offensive line. I thought the the Jets did a dumb i did dumb job of not establishing the run more. I would have just fed Isaiah Crowell like nine hundred times and just see if he could jailbreak one and try to beat Brock Osweiler that way. Um, Osweiler fifteen to twenty four for one hundred thirty nine yards. Danny Amendola is top target uh and then and then Darnold 21 to 39 229 for four picks 31.8 quarterback rating he has been terrible in the last month uh another rookie who's been just okay maybe some people Ryan thought that after Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley got fired and did 900 appearances on first take just Hugh Jackson um that the Browns would come out fired up and might win this game against Kansas City not the case Kansas City destroyed Cleveland in Cleveland, winning thirty seven to twenty one. Kareem Hunt seventeen carries, ninety one yards, two touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, twenty-three of thirty-two, three seventy-five, three touchdowns. Another huge game. Travis Kelsey caught two of those touchdowns. Did, were you impressed with uh with the Browns at all? Under Greg yeah. Williams? I mean they're
3: a little better. I think one of the takeaways is that at least um Who's the guy that replaced Todd Haley? Uh Freddie Kitchens? Yeah. He, at least he had the good sense to use Duke Johnson. Yes. And Nine, Johnson, nine
0: targets, nine catches.
3: Seventy eight yards, two touchdowns. That tells me that you probably should have been using him a lot more than you were before Todd Haley, who is now currently unemployed. I also think it's funny that uh Greg Williams beat Bill Belichick to the punch. He had Brashad Perriman running the ball. Ran it twice <laughs> twice for nine yards. Oh my so, god, he
0: did. We're we're not talking about that. That's important. oh uh, I'm
3: just happy that Brashad has a job. Uh I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but uh yeah, I think Mahomes was efficient. He, he's he's Always been, he seems to be incredibly efficient every time he takes the field. That touchdown catch by Travis, uh, Kelsey was insane. The dump off to Cream Hunt in the first half that he ran for 50 something yards was insane, but we've seen that almost every week. I don't think you want Baker Mayfield throwing the ball 42 times, but, uh, that's what happened. And, uh, look, I don't, unless the Browns go undefeated the rest of the way, I don't think Greg Williams is going to keep this job because they need an offensive guy to sort of corral this offense and, and Baker Mayfield in particular. So, you know, he can, dye up that stupid goatee all he wants into a weird dark brown color and one of those stupid black rim glasses and have that scowl on his face. I don't think short of going seven and oh or eight and oh whatever. He ain't keeping that job. So I luckily for him, he gets 12 or 13 offers a week, uh, a week. He says so he shouldn't have any trouble finding work.
0: Yeah. Uh, a hipster getting blasted by a hipster. I love it.
3: Hipster on hipster crime, baby.
0: <laughs> yes, Sean. Uh, just,
2: I I do think that about the Browns and the. You
0: just want to point out that, and the in the Chiefs. You just want to point out that Tyree Kill and Spencer wear about that sixty nine receiving yards, don't you? No, I, well I didn't know that, but I'm
2: glad you you said that. And now I know. But no, I was going to say that Patrick Mahomes' interception also came on a hail mary on the last play of the first half. Good point. So that's just something. If we're going to the MVP race is kind of tightening up with Breeze playing like this, and that's probably something to note that and, it was just a throw it up play. Please, please, uh,
0: please don't mention the MVP race without mentioning Philip Rivers. Thank you. Well,
2: I I didn't because I knew you would. And then the second thing I was going to note is that there's a screenshot going around on Twitter, which is just awesome – that shows Baker Mid- Mayfield in the process of being taken down for a sack, <laughs> and before he's even down on the ground, you have two Browns <laughs> offensive linemen looking at each other and pointing at each other and arguing about who's at fault for it. I think it's Day,
3: it's Njoku and then Harrison, okay. the left tackle. So it's actually the tight end is arguing with the left tackle who got abused.
2: <laughs> he's not even other. down yet. He's in the process of being taken down. They're just pointing at each
0: other. It's, a, it's really, it is pretty incredible. And then, oh my God, there's another thing, Breach. You know what I'm talking about? You're not. I know. It we're talking about? <laughs> you guys seen, there's a video out there of like, the Browns trying to block an extra point, and they collide head first with each other, and like, two feet in front of the ball, and it goes in anyway. And they just, like, yeah, they, they it's, should
3: hire, they should fire the special teams coach now.
0: It's
2: amazing that the Browns are like competitive now, but they still provide these moments every week, and it's also gonna be really sad when they hire someone competent, and we lose all these weekly When's
3: that
0: gems. When they hire Josh McDaniels, obviously. I, I mean, if I were Josh McDaniels, I would think long and hard about that. I think Baker Mayfield would be good in his offense. Um, I, I, but oh, please! If 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 the Packers' job doesn't open up just because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers,
2: the Browns' job is probably the best job available. But would you
3: right. have, he would, can take it and he'll he'll fail? Would, would you would mean, rather have for the, sure.
0: the Browns or the Cowboys? Browns
3: for what? The job, you mean?
0: Yeah. The Browns, Jeez. the Browns fire people every two years. And yeah, both, owner, both owners have, aren't going
3: to get out of the way.
0: You finally have a
2: quarterback. I I think if you look, we've been talking about on this podcast for a long time and we can't anymore because they finally fired him about how much Hugh Jackson was costing this competitive team. I think if you get a competent coach, just an OK coach, I think this is I don't know if they're a playoff team. have had plenty of OK coaches, coaches team. Yeah, but they haven't had this talent before. This is the Uh, first time I think they've hit on a quarterback.
3: They won 10 games in 2007 with Derrick Anderson. Oh,
2: okay. We're going
0: back to when (laughs) I was in 8th
2: grade. Sure.
0: And was it, was Brady on the team after that? Brady was drafted right after that, right? Our pal Brady. Brady was on that team. He was a rookie. Brady said that he thinks that the, um, the Cowboys is a way better job than the Browns. So I thought, I I thought it was interesting because I would personally rather have the Browns job. Cause there's security eh, there. I
3: mean, the, the Cowboys have a good offensive line, sort of, uh, if everyone's healthy. They have Zeke.
0: You're gonna
2: have to pay Zeke and Dak eventually though here soon. Whereas you're not gonna have to pay Baker or Chubb, uh, um, many times soon.
0: Nick Chubb looks like he's legit. Like, and he's, as, as far as starting, like, he's a like, he's just going to be a good starter in fantasy the rest of the year. 22 carries, 85 yards, one touchdown, uh, also caught a ball for five yards. By the way, Rashad Perryman, Six targets, <laughs> two catches. Target target Pishar and Parment six times. All right, whatever you think, Freddie Kitchens. Um, yeah, like the Chiefs are just a better team. I think the disparity there is pretty obvious. The Browns probably not going to hit their over under on their win total now. By the way, it, it, that looked like something that might end up happening, and I just don't think that's going to be the case. Um, but what I think, is it? What, Was it like five and a half?
1: Yeah. Hey, I've a hypothetical question, right? real quick. If Hugh Jackson had been coaching the Browns on Sunday against the Chiefs, how many dozen points do the Chiefs win by? Four dozen, three dozen, or two dozen?
0: Two dozen. By the way, here's the rest of the Browns' schedule? Falcons in week in in, uh, in week ten. Then their week eleven by. Loss. Then Loss. they have at the Bengals. Loss at the Texans. Loss Panthers at home. Loss at the Bronc Loss. at the Broncos.
3: Loss.
0: Bengals at home.
3: Mm, when? Maybe win.
0: At the Ravens.
3: <laughs> maybe win.
0: They're not, they're, they're not winning. They're winning, <laughs> they're winning one more game. They, they're not No, they
3: get, that Ravens team is going to be so decimated by that point that they might, they might give up.
0: Well, great, Is that before or after they fire John Harbaugh? Yeah. You know, Lamar the,
2: Jackson's going to be certain at that point. It's going to be Baker versus Lamar.
0: Great segue, Ryan. Let's talk about it. Your Steelers. Another week, another victory, man. Did it look short-lived when Ben Roethlisberger was lying on the ground, faking an injury, acting like something bad happened to him so he could be the hero that Ben needs to be every time he gets? Oh, look. I thought I died. It's like, oh, I thought I died. Look at oh, but look at me, guys. I'm perfectly fine, winging the ball everywhere. Don't worry about it. God saved me. No big deal. Huge Christian, love Jesus. Um. Sorry. Hey, listen. When
3: you're, no matter what you believe in, if you can't breathe with all that weight landing on top of you, I don't even mean the 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 fat Ravens guy I'm talking about, just Big Ben's own weight, <laughs> and you can't breathe. You can't breathe. What, he was he was gasping for help from from his his savior uh, Jesus Christ, and he, <laughs> he he brought it to him after one playoff. <laughs> he I like rolled that you guys- off the.
2: You guys were mad at me for pissing off Big Milk, and now you guys are going after Big Jesus, Big
3: God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, not at all. Big big. my sister, my sister's a missionary. Brent's mother's a pastor.
0: That's right. That's right.
3: Big You're going me. to hell, uh, Sean. Yeah. Don't worry about us.
0: Yeah. Um, but uh
3: yeah, so Big Ben rolled off the field in the fourth quarter. Josh Dobbs came in and threw a ball twenty yards, probably the most improbable completion of the weekend. And Ben came back and sort of picked up where he left off. I think the bigger issue. Um, is on the other side of the field. I don't know what the Ravens are doing with Lamar Jackson. I have no idea why they keep bringing Lamar Jackson out once or twice every series where he and both he and Flacco are frowning on the field at the same time. Neither want <laughs> to be out there together. Clearly Flacco had a wide open uh, Lamar yeah, Jackson in the first yeah. half and, and said, I am not, th- I would rather throw the ball into the stands literally. And that's what he did. And they had to kick a field goal uh it, i don't understand what the plan is because uh jackson's out there as a running back he's taking huge hits he did complete one pass which is fine i guess but either do you want to be quarterback or not so flacco looked terrible he looked about um you know 110 percent better than eli manning which is where he'll be playing next year so i guess that's good if you're a giants fan but in terms of what the the ravens are trying to do it's just not working they've lost four straight now i think they're four and five going into the bye and i think a team that's gone four and five under Harbaugh who as John points out might be on the hot seat has never gone to the playoffs and that would be an issue for Harbaugh who is as John points out is on the hot seat
0: well, alright, so they've lost four out of five because they beat the Titans. Remember they, remember they, they lost. Oh, the, right. The 11
3: they, sack game.
0: Yep. Yeah, they lost to the Browns 12-9. It's like, okay, well, that was just sort of a weird game on the road. All right. They're going to play their third straight. And they'd beaten the Steelers the week before. It's like they're going to play the, the Titans on the road. That's going to be a tough spot. And they slaughtered them. And since then they've lost to the Saints at home in that crazy last second game where it looked like they'd win. They got blasted by the Panthers, uh, and then they lost to the Steelers at home. And so I mean, what what do you do, Breach, if you're if you're Steve Biscotti, are you do you think I mean John Harbaugh's a great coach. I think he's I mean like he's he's a Super Bowl winner, and I I get that Mike McCarthy is too, but I just don't see how you could fire John Harbaugh and think you're getting a better coach out there.
1: But what is the downside here? I mean here's what you need. You need to make a decision between Joe Flacco and Lamar Jackson because as Wilson said, this is just getting awkward. It's like being married and you go up to your wife and, Hey, honey, can we have another girl move in? Uh, and she's going to sleep in our bedroom. Is that cool? Cause like, no one's ever going to say yes to that. And it's, it, that is, feels like the dynamic here with Harbaugh, Flacco and Lamar Jackson. I don't think they thought through this whole, Hey, let's use a first round pick on a quarterback because Flacco is literally looks upset every time Lamar Jackson's on the field. Lamar Jackson can't do anything because he's a rookie and he's just going to do what he's told. And now Harbaugh is in charge of this entire mess. And that might be the only way to fix this mess is to get rid of Harbaugh. And you look at their schedule. I mean, they've got the Falcons and the Chiefs in two of their next four games. Those could be losses. There's no guarantee they're going to beat the Bengals. They still have to play the Chargers. Uh, you know, this team looks like they're lucky if they get to eight and eight right now. And I think if, I think if they don't get to 500 above 500, you fire Harbaugh.
2: I think Harbaugh might get fired. I mean, he was almost fired last year in the offseason. It came out that they considered firing him, and they stuck with him at the last second. Then you had the report on Sunday from NFL Network that they're considering a change. I think they're insane to think – I mean, we've talked about it with who are the Packers or Browns going to hire. I think it's insane to think you're going to fire Harbaugh, and suddenly your situation is going to magically improve. What I would do if I were the Ravens is I would tell Harbaugh, look, you're safe, and you have license to play Lamar Jackson. And that means that we can punt on this year and you don't have to worry about I need to make the playoffs to save my job. Because I think that's the reason why Harbaugh wouldn't go to Jackson right now is because Jackson probably isn't as good as Flacco right now. And he needs Flacco, however mediocre he is, to potentially make the playoffs and save his job. But if you tell Harbaugh you're safe, you're not going to lose your job, you can start playing Jackson and start developing him. Because I just don't think firing – I don't think the problem in Baltimore is Sean Harbaugh. I think the problem is – the mega contract that they had to give Flacco after his insane playoff Super Bowl run. And so I think if you give Harbaugh the mandate to move on from Flacco, I'd rather build with him and Lamar Jackson than stick this out with Flacco and hope for an eight or nine-win season that sneaks into the playoffs, and then you're firing your coach after the season, and then starting over with Lamar Jackson. I'd rather just get the process started already while telling him that your job is safe, and now it's time for you to coach up Lamar Jackson.
1: That's George. Yeah, that's
3: how I feel about that too. Yeah, <laughs> Brinson's dog hates your idea, Sean. Um. <laughs> By the way, uh, while you choke your dog to death, Brinson, I will say that the biggest loser coming out of that game. Uh, Levi Bell, f- who is now, <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I'm laughing because I I heard Brinson on mute tell his dog to shut the f up.
0: <laughs> Wait, did you hear that? <laughs>
3: I could I could read your lips. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're like Mike McCarthy on the sidelines yelling at Aaron Rodgers. <laughs>
0: You're back in the huddle.
3: Shut the F up. But, uh, the big loser, uh, out of that game is Levion. who's already given up 7.7 million. James Conner continues to go off. I don't know when Levion's showing up. I don't think anyone does. And right now, I don't think it matters.
1: Well, he's only got a week left. He's got a report by a week from
3: Tuesday. But if he doesn't, I mean, are the Steelers going to hold him to that or will they just be like, all right, we've had enough?
1: Oh, Who if, he's, is... if he's not there, he's not allowed to play because of the collective bargaining agreement. He's literally got to t- what's what's Tuesday, the, the, the 11th, 13th. Yeah. So he's 4 p.m. He doesn't show up. He's not playing. And I think the Steelers would be happy if that happened. No, I'm honest. saying yeah,
3: he'll, he'll just sit out, but they're not going to. I don't think they would want to tag him to keep him around. I think they would be like wipe their hands of him.
0: By the way, Mike Tomlin, we can hear this right now, said they want hostage. They want volunteers, not hostages.
3: You know, we hadn't spent a lot of time focused on it because it's not within our control. Um, those decisions are Le'Veons. Uh, we need volunteers, not hostages. So we're focused on the guys that are here and working, and and James is definitely in that mix. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think our guys have done an awesome job of being focused on the things that matter. Yeah,
0: Mike Tomlin, good good, uh, good little quotable there. Uh, okay, we're going to move quickly to get through the rest of these games. I'm looking at the Ravens' schedule, by the way, and I, I think they've got four wins at home left. Um, but they are going to have to beat the Falcons, Chiefs, or Chargers on the road if they want to make the playoffs, and that might be a little bit difficult. You mentioned somebody saying F words. You could read lips. You know who else said an F word that I I know said an F word that I could read his lips? Bill O'Brien as he's walking. Do you all see this yet, the clip of Bill O'Brien? He's walking off the field. So quick tangent on Vance Joseph, who's a moron. Uh, he... Managed to cost his team of a a win and b six points. First of all, he tried to kick a sixty-two yard field goal at the end of the first half. Only there was enough time left for the Texans to get a field goal of their own when Brandon McManus didn't make the sixty-two yard field goal because you know sixty-two yard field goals are hard to make. He pushed it right. Um, Vance, like that's my bad. I screwed that one up. I uh, i i got i got a little greedy there. And then the end of the game. They take they get the ball with three minutes and forty seconds left on their own fourteen. They take a minute and a half to get to the forty, or their own forty. They finally get across midfield after they convert a fourth down to Emmanuel Sanders on a miracle play where Case Keem is being tackled, and they get inside field goal range with forty three seconds left. At that point, they run Oh no, I'm sorry, yeah. They run a Five yard slant, and you see Keenum's like doing the thing where he's like, "No, no, no, let's go, let's go, let's go." And then all of a sudden, he's like looking confused. They don't run a play; they wait till thirteen seconds left. Run Philip Lindsay up the middle for a negative one yard. Then call timeout, and then kick it. It was a absolute botching. Brandon McManus misses the field goal, and then you see Bill O'Brien as he's walking off the field. He claims in a statement to Pro Football Talk that this is not what he, that that's not what he said. That people are misreading it. He very clearly. Says, "Nice job, Vance. You dumb bleep." Like he, <laughs> call him, he calls him a dumb ass. No way. Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> it's what pretty f- bad when you have Bill O'Brien of all coaches. Yeah, like you can see it. He's like, he's like, "Nice job, Vance. You dumb." And like, you can like see it, like he's, I mean like, and he's like, I was, he's like, I'm sure. Maybe was, he said
3: you poor schmuck.
0: No, he's like, I'm sure I was celebrating with some, one of our other coaches like that. It, like, cause PFT sent an email to the Texans asking, uh, for a, for a, a question about it. Like, he just, he clearly says that. I'll send you the clip in a second. Um, but I, I gotta tell you, like, I mean, it's just unbelievable how bad vance joseph is at clock mismanagement and i wouldn't be surprised at all if by the time people listen to this on monday morning vance joseph gets fired do you think he's deserving of that anybody well let me jump in real
1: quick on what you're saying uh is the resident kicking guru here is that not only did vance joseph blow this at the end of the half by having McManus try the 62 yard field goal then the texans flip around and try a 46 yarder that they miss okay but oh no, Vance Joseph called a timeout at the last second. So the Texans get to try the field goal again, and this time they make it. So that also blew up in his face. And then after the game, what Brinson's talking about with this crazy clock management, here's Vance Joseph's quote, which I'm going to read real quick. This is why he didn't go any further. We were in quote, <laughs> yeah. we were in range there and the time is ticking down, so we wanted to get in the middle of the field. Our line was the thirty five. It was time to kick the ball. Now, he's saying that that's why they called the Philip Lindsay play was to get in the middle. He's saying their line was the 35 because before the game, you'll talk to the kicker. He'll tell you where they're shooting for. Vance Joseph, that is the worst case scenario. The kicker does not want to be kicking as far out as his range is. So if he says get to the 35, that means get to the 25 or get to the 20. That doesn't (laughs) mean get to the 35. He does not want to be kicking from his furthest tested range. So. Vance Joseph has no idea what he's doing. It's like he's never learned anything about special teams in his whole entire life. And John Elway should fire him tonight,
0: tomorrow, sometime before they play their next game. Did you guys see the video? It's hilarious. I've watched it a thousand
3: times. I saw it, but it's side side face. So oh you please, can't...
0: watch it. You can clearly tell what he's saying. Like he's, <laughs> yeah, you can tell what he's saying. Who's even... he
3: talking to though? I thought he, I thought he's talking he was to himself. Midfield.
0: No, he's talking to himself. He's like, you <laughs> he meant he was he's a midfield looking Vance in the face. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I feel
2: like I feel like there's like a conspiracy among NFL coaches right now to keep Bill O'Brien in Houston so they can't fire him. You have Frank Reich going for that fourth down on overtime that doesn't work. You have Jason Garrett refusing to go for the fourth down, fourth down. We've had this talk many times on this podcast about how this winning streak is one of the least impressive winning streaks we've ever Six seen. Games. And they're not going to be
0: able to fire him. Yeah. They're just not going to be able to, they're going to sneak oh, in they're the not He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't getting fired anyway. They're, they no, I don't think so. I don't, you don't think if they were bad, he was going to get fired. He just wanted power. I mean, I know Rick Smith stepped aside, the old GM stepped aside because of, um, you know, his wife's health issues, and I hope she's doing well, and I hope they're trying to figure it out. But that was clearly a power struggle thing that shook out in, in Bill O'Brien's favor. He got a new contract. Uh, the Texans now 6-3, and three, having won 19-17 in that close game. But I don't, They're not firing him. But Vance Joseph, he ain't making it at the end of the year. Not with stuff like this. And the Broncos are now 3-6, and six, and that was sort of their last gasp hope, I think, at, at trying to make the playoffs. Um, they've been in some bad, ugly games late. So. Well, there, I will
3: say this quickly. They're, they had the toughest either – the, fir- the first toughest or the second, their schedule is either number one or number two toughest over the first half of the season. Second half of the season, according to Football Outsiders, it's like 17th. So this was an opportunity that they, Vance Joseph, to to borrow Bill O'Brien's term, uh, effed up. They had, had a chance to win that game. And, uh, you know, they, they'll have other opportunities with the, the way their schedule's playing out. But if you're going to be kicking, 65 yard field goals on, on every possession. You're, you're probably not going to win another football game, and, and maybe it would be in John Elway's best interest to move I, on.
0: Six of the nine, not, six of the nine games, one score games, worth noting. I'm not defending Vance Joseph, but I think the
2: settling for the 51 yarder at the end of for the game winning field goal is not a Vance Joseph problem. I think that's just an NFL problem. I think you see coaches do this every couple of weeks, and so I'm not defending that, but. I think this is more of a widespread
0: issue. I I I don't disagree with that, but this was this was particularly egregious. Like he let it get down to thirteen seconds, and then ran Phil Lindsey in the middle to try and set up something like just throw another five yard slant. Like have give Case Keenum one read, and he was squatting this timeout. Uh, the, the other time, the second timeout they used. Keenum's sprinting up, he's like doing the no huddle thing. He's like spike, 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 and like all of a sudden he's like, wait, what? What are you talking? And they're like they call a timeout, and he's like, why did they call a timeout? We could have frozen the clock at, at forty three or whatever it was. Um, but yeah, I, I, the Texans are are uh, managed to keep on winning games somehow, some way. It's actually kind of impressive. Uh, also impressive, the Minnesota Vikings who moved to five three and one. Is that right? Five three and one, Sean, before heading into their yeah. bye. After beating the Lions in easy and formidable fashion, um, are you, you don't think there's any way the Bears could beat the, can top the Vikings in this division, do you? I
2: think there's a chance. I wouldn't have put money on it, but I, you play twice, and if you beat them, then certainly you're gonna win the division. Uh, look, to me, this was more about, I've been so confused about the Lions all season long, even before the season, about what they were. I think this is the beginning of the descent of the Detroit Lions because I think they have a really tough schedule coming up. They have the Bears twice in three weeks. They have the Panthers in between those games. And then after they play the Bears for the second time, they face the Rams. I think they could potentially go on four in that stretch or one in three. I think what we saw today was Matt Stafford gets sacked ten times, which is obviously nice. terrible the kind of game that kind of screamed for a really good slot receiver in the intermediate portions of the field, if only they had a slot receiver who could do that. Oh, wait, they traded him. Um, It's just funny to me that Matt Patricia, the week started with him getting mad at reporters for asking them questions about how does the Golden Tate trade help this franchise, and he's criticizing reporters for their posture. And then you have a game where Golden Tate probably could have been used Um, and they were missing him. So for me, this is about the Detroit Lions. I think we finally see what they are, which is probably not even an eight-win team. I think this is going to be the the start of their descent. For the the Vikings, encouraging that – look, their defense isn't going to get 10 sacks every game, but the fact that we're seeing their defensive line play like the defensive line we thought they were going to be entering the season is
0: encouraging. Yeah, Lions have uh, the Bears on the road next week. Then get three games at home, Panthers, Bears, and Rams, but then have to close out with three of their final four in the road. That is not good. And real quick
1: on the Lions, what Sean was just saying, you trade away Golden Tate, you say you're not throwing away the season, and the offense just looked like total trash. It was so bad. They're 209 yards is what they put up. That was the lowest total they've ever had under Matthew Stafford. So here you are, Matt Patricia yelling at the media trading away arguably your best receiver, your slot guy, and then all of a sudden you're putting up the lowest offensive total ever that this team has had with Matthew Stafford. So, I mean, this team is just in complete disarray. And as much as I hate saying the Bears have a better shot at winning anything than any other team in that division, it's, it feels like Bears-Vikings at the way the Lions of backers look this weekend.
2: It's, it's, it really says something that we're talking about the lack of coaches for these teams to hire, that – it feels like a year ago, Jim Bob Cooter two years ago was his hot name. That was going to be this next coach. And now people are talking about him. He needs to be fired and his game plan sucks and all this. If you just follow the lines on Twitter, all the reporters. Um, it's, so it's kind of stunning to me that he goes from this guy who fixed Matthew Stafford, um, and turned him into this fringe MVP guy, to now I don't think anyone's going to get interviewed him for coach Are kick. you saying
0: you're not a fan of Cooter? Sean's down on hot Cooter is what he's saying. Um, the uh, by the way, I think it's worth noting on the Vikings that they <laughs> Ryan just shaking his head these idiot children. I have kids. <laughs> uh, the um, Dalvin Cook came back and played and actually played well and had over a hundred total yards. Tim carries eighty nine yards, didn't score. Latavius Murray punched one in, uh, but he also caught four passes for twenty yards. Laquan Treadwell was their leading receiver with two catches for 37 yards, which is uh, something something else. They just didn't have to pass a lot. I mean, the, and then uh, Everson Griffin one and a half sacks. Daniel Hunter playing his tail off right now, three and a half sacks in this game. Um, and so I think that when you see Griffin coming back and you see Cook coming back and you see the Viking, like we're talking about the Rams and we're talking about the Saints. The Vikings should be in that conversation. They're good. I mean, like they were. Their offensive line is a big problem, and they can't protect Kirk Cousins and necessarily run block against elite defenses. But I don't know how many elite defenses there are out there are out there, and we've seen them hang uh, in, in varying type of games. And now they're they're five, three, and one. I think the Vikings are an under the radar um, uh, NFC contender. Another under the radar NFC contender, the Carolina Panthers. They whopped Like that word, whopped the uh, that's a word from like Ryan's heyday back when he was in school. Um, took care of business against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, forty-two to twenty-eight. Cam Newton once again completed seventy-five percent of his passes, nineteen to twenty-five, two hundred forty-seven yards, two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey uh, out of the gates early, seventeen carries, seventy-nine yards, and two touchdowns. They were all over the uh, the Buccaneers, up fourteen nothing in the first quarter, and they were up. Um, I believe 35 to 14 at halftime. So the game was basically in the bag at, at the break. The Buccaneers would come back and, and cut it kind of close. Ryan Fitzpatrick actually threw four touchdowns, 24 of 40 for 243 yards. They couldn't get none it. to Mike Evans. None to Mike Evans. That's right. He's on your fantasy team. Mike Evans actually <laughs> had 10 targets in one catch. So that's exciting for Mike Evans. Uh, hey, uh,
3: Brinson, quickly uh, breaking news from uh, Mike Silver. Uh, Sean's buddy, Demarius Thomas, told him today uh, about the Broncos' uh, passive at the end of the game. That's what they do over there. I ain't a part of that no more. We like to win over here. So there you go, the new Texans God. wide receiver.
0: They gave him, like, a nice treatment when he came back to Denver, too.
3: Peyton's kids went to hug him after the game and
0: everything. Did you but, see uh, the Peyton's kids? I love
2: that Demarius Thomas also had that touchdown chance against the Chiefs where he stopped running on the route, and at the very end of the fourth quarter, now he's talking about uh, yeah. the Broncos don't like to win games.
0: The, Peyton Manning's son was wearing a Demarius Thomas Texans jersey. Like, you, How is he going to root for the Like, Does he really like Demarius Thomas that much? He's rooting against the Broncos?
3: He doesn't like Vance Joseph, I guess. He thinks he's I, a, uh, a what? What did Bill call him?
0: A dumb fudger.
3: Oh, right. That's I could actually I forgot because I'm old. Okay. Well, anyway, Demarius is, uh, has wiped his hands clean uh, of the Broncos. He's moving on to the six in a row wins, Texans.
0: Um, yeah, so the Buccaneers now three and five. Uh, this is a chance, I guess, for Tampa to kind of. I thought Tampa. I thought Carolina might slip up after beating beating uh, Baltimore at home, but I think the takeaway for me with the Panthers is that they are getting. Like the Vikings, they've got a lot of balance. It's kind of coming together, and they have so many different weapons. They use so much motion, so much misdirection with Curtis Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore now has, like, he set the record, uh, in this game for most rushing yards by a wide receiver in Panthers history, which is pretty impressive, uh, considering Steve Smith was a, was a great wide receiver there. One carry for 32 yards. And I just think that this Panthers offense is going to keep building on what they've started to get going the last few weeks and the defense is going to come together. Um, at the end of the day, like, like I said earlier, all, the only thing that matters for Carolina is, uh, whether or not, you know, they can beat the Saints in, in the final three weeks of the season. They three, four of the, Panthers next 5 games are on the road starting this Thursday night in Pittsburgh against the Steelers, then at Detroit, Seahawks at home, at Buccaneers at Browns. They could easily win 4 of those 5 or maybe even 5 of those 5, but it's all going to it's all going to come down to Saints Falcon Saints at the end of the season for Carolina.
3: Yeah, I think next week will be uh an interesting game because they could certainly go into Heinz and win that game. And um I think it'll be a good test for both teams. Uh the defense in Pittsburgh's playing better, but Cam Newton's is this Cam Newton's best season? I mean, yes, I mean yes, including yes. 2015 MVP? Yes. MVP
0: year is better. No, this is a better season. Why do you yes. say that? Because he's playing better? It's more. <laughs> his stats are better and he's more efficient. Well,
2: well what I was going to say, I was going to compliment him, is that he he's a, been completing a high amount of his passes this year, which is really good, but he hasn't really been averaging that many yards per attempt. I don't think he's had a game where he's averaged more than eight. And today he was up around 10, 9.9. 9. And so I think that is, he's not going to be up around 10 all year and most quarterbacks aren't. Um, but by him being this efficient, I don't, I, I'm still not going to say he was as good as he was in his MVP year because he was incredible in that season. Um, but if he's playing like this, like it's going to be incredible that we're talking about the Saints as this best team in the NFC. And then at the end of the year, it's the Panthers who win the NFC South because they beat the Saints twice.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would say this, like Cam's throwing down, I looked it up on sports info solutions. Um, and Cam Ryan, shocked I used it. Um, and uh and Cam is actually averaging one point five less throws of eleven plus air yards or more down the field per game. So he's I mean he's they're just not throwing as deep because they don't have Vertical threats, but they've tailored the offense to utilize McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, guys who are shorter of the field. So he's completing shorter passes. He's not holding on to the ball. He's not getting hit as hard. And so he's not, his, his yards per attempt might not be as high, but he's much more efficient and he's having a better year, I think. Finally, Falcons, Redskins, Falcons st- stomp the Redskins, John Breach stomped him. I say it's a final score of 38 to 14. Washington had nothing explosive, nothing to battle. Matt Ryan, who finished the game 26-38 of 38 for 350 yards, four touchdowns. Tevin Coleman, 13 carries, 88 yards, and also had uh, five receptions for 68 yards and two scores. Calvin Ridley caught a touchdown, and so did. Breaking news, Julio Jones. I mean, if I'm a Julio Jones fantasy
1: owner, this is uh, – a- fantasy night for me. Who thought that dude was going to catch a touchdown pass? It's been so long, I can't even remember when the last time he caught a touchdown pass. Sometime last year. But let me just say that you guys are talking about Cam Newton playing like his MVP year. Matt Ryan is playing out of his mind. I don't even know what's going on with that guy. He's been, I would say, the best quarterback in the NFL over the past five or six weeks. I mean, he tacked on another four touchdowns today, 350 yards. He's got, uh, I think, 17 touchdowns since Week three or four, which is second, only behind Andrew Luck and uh, Patrick Mahomes over the past few weeks. But Luck and Ryan have had their bye. Mahomes hasn't. So uh, he's just playing phenomenal football. And when he's on fire, you can't stop Atlanta on the ground because you start paying attention to everything, trying to stop Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. And all of a sudden you have Tevin Coleman blowing up. I mean, this offense, uh, they overcame how bad their defense was earlier in the year. And now the defense is looking better. And so now if this defense is good and matching up and the offense is already good, I think the Falcons are a threat for maybe uh that sixth wild card spot, that last spot in the NFC playoffs. I know, Brinson, you're giving me a look like I'm crazy, but uh I like I I like the Falcons as a possibility for that last NFC spot. Weren't the
0: Falcons a Super
1: Bowl pick? Am I imagining that?
0: No, yeah, that's correct.
1: Yeah. So he's probably
0: on board. Sure. I love the idea. I don't think it's going to happen because they're, um, you know, they have a division that's really difficult. Um, but Atlanta, I mean, they're playing offensively well enough. And I think in 2018, you don't need to have some elite defense to win. Like if you have an elite offense, you can pull it off. Uh, they have the brown, they have to win these next two games at the Browns next week and then Cowboys at home because their final, uh, stretch of games, final six games are at Saints. Ravens at Packers, Cardinals at Panthers at Buccaneers to close out. Uh, this is a big game to shake off the Matt Ryan can't play in the outdoors uh, you know, narrative, though.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you just hit the uh, the nail on the head right there with the rest of their schedule of their final eight games. You know, they play the Browns and the Cowboys, and they also play the Cardinals and the Buccaneers. So half their games they're going to be favored. Uh, and, and then with the Saints, Packers, Ravens, Panthers, you go two and two, and there, and all of a sudden you're up to ten wins. So I am not going to rule out Matt Ryan. What if Matt Ryan and Cam Newton tie for the MVP?
0: You can't with, tie for the MVP. With,
1: you can tie for the MVP. Oh, you can. For right. instance, Peyton Manning and Steve McNair tied in 2003.
3: Ooh, out of nowhere. Wow. Truth boom. Yeah. Trubisky's winning it, so it doesn't matter.
1: That's right. True. And I think yeah. Yeah. Barry course, Sanders and Favre tied once, too. Yeah, did any of you, did you did guys play. take the, fam- the
2: Falcons to make the playoffs in our—we just had our midseason three predictions No. No. Yeah.
3: Because there's I, no way they're finishing top three in that division, or at least didn't feel like that way a week ago. I had the but Panthers winning
2: three, the South. Couldn't three teams, teams from the South make the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It happened last year.
3: Three teams right, from the I, AFC North made it a few years
0: ago.
2: Right, but I'm saying I, I don't, I don't know if I'd pick them, but I think Breach is right. I think they, they're only four and four. Like they're not out of it.
0: No, they're no. not out of it all. But I mean that means somebody. That means
2: the Seahawks, the, the Bears, Bears, Packers are the teams that they're competing with
0: primarily. Correct. Correct. Um, and they just beat one of the teams they could be competing with in the Redskins. All right, let's get out of here. Unless you want to add something with Sean's big milk, take of the day.
2: No, nah, it was going to be in the two games without Gronk, the Patriots have scored 69 points.
3: What's that have to do with milk?
2: for itself. It's it's, what's that milk. milk is nice, and 69 is nice. Am I allowed to say that? We just bleep
0: that out. <laughs> Once no fire? I'm fired, saving so that. Yeah. I'm clipping that. <laughs>
3: Hope it was worth it.
0: <laughs> Clipping that. 69 is nice. The number, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Uh, all right, that's Sean's Big Milk. Big big Milk. Nice take of also. the day. Follow Sean at Sean J. Wagner. Follow John Breach at John Breach. Ryan Wilson at Ryan Wilson CBS. And you can follow me at Will Brinson, the podcast at Pick 6 Pod. We'll be back tomorrow with Brady Quinn in a Monday Night Football Recap. Thanks, guys.